So Ross and I just returned from Origins, and uh, we have a lot of people to thank. Uh, I want to thank Jeremy Fish. I want to thank Christopher Keener, uh, Greg Bennett, Jake Ladina, Grace, Justin Burr, Joe, all of whom gave me beer, two of which told me they were going to give me beer, and we just barely got it home. Uh, Ross was pretty close to driving 11 hours back to Missouri with a 32-pack of beer in his lap. Which I would have done. Yes, for the podcast. Really nice, Ross. Um, And uh, I want to thank all those people, and I also want to say... I'm going to thank you in an episode because I cannot keep track of all the beer in my house. It's a dizzying array. I try and inventory it, and then there's like, oh, there's a duplicate of that. I better drink it. And then 30 minutes later, I've lost the list, and I don't know who gave me anything. So we're going to drink beers. Uh, I'm not going to identify them by person, uh, but if you get a cheers, you definitely gave me beer, and we are definitely grateful. Uh, Whichever beers those may be. Uh, wherever they are from, uh, which we will do my best to sort out after the fact, because, you know, there are some occupational hours to doing a podcast in which you are drunk literally the entire time you're recording it. So uh, cheers to all those wonderful, beautiful, generous people. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix Six, where we have six beers, have six conversations, rate them on a five-point scale, and occasionally have one guest at a time. Only one. And that guest is Maddie. G'day. Uh, (laughs) Our OG Mix Six uh, supporter from down south in Austria. This is like core <laughs> this is like core mixed six like foundational fan though. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like Maddie you, was episode here day one. one. Yeah. Like repping it. She got that tattoo of us. Like, it was crazy. Really, but I don't know why I did that. Well, <laughs> no, it's you got, cool. You got drunk listening to too many episodes. Right, yeah. yeah. None of us have one, so that's not weird. Uh, so anyway, uh, we are here to talk about lots of stuff. We've got to do a little bit in the pre-party, though. So mm-hmm. first thing we need to mention, we're going to be at Gen Con. Holly. We're going to do a live show. We're going to be walking around, probably buying things. Um, one thing. We're going to be buying I'll one I'll occasionally thing. eat food. A lot's going on, is what I'm saying, yeah. while we're there. Uh, and you should check us out for any portion of it, uh, especially the live show. Live show on Friday. Uh, and then I think that at some point, the three of us should sit down and plan some. And we'll be looking for places to like have a beer and meet people at these times. Yeah, so yeah. So that like, yeah. you know, it would just be easy for us to find folks. Also... Um, planned uh, beers as opposed to yeah, yeah, the yeah. other beers. Uh, for sure. There's an RPPR live episode, and after that... A lot of uh, there's a lot of crossover between role playing public radio fans and the Mix Six fans, and we often head off and uh, pe- spirits are produced. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Do you mean that like, like distilled uh, on site? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like ghosts. We yeah, have right. a- we actually <laughs> sacrifice people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on what beverages you're somehow appear, and right. uh, uh, a hearty time is had by all. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, really looking forward to meeting a lot of our pa- podcast friends uh, that we know because we all do podcasts about nerdy stuff. Is a uh, yeah. Uh, Good Brews, Bad Views going to be there? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm not sure if all the guys are, Ryan James and Max. I definitely know Max's. We've talked um, about Maple getting together. Blood Money will be there. Maple Syrup Blood Money will be there. A couple people from TechDiff, I think, will be there. Um, I, I think role a couple. Exchange. Yeah, Role Playing Exchange. I think a couple of the dudes, maybe all the dudes from Bananana are going to be mm-hmm. there, which, by the way, I'll be on the Bananana podcast. Uh, we're recording on July 18th. I'm not totally sure what their release cycle is, but I'll keep you all posted in case you don't know, for we, the Batman fans, um, Bananana 
covers in their first season, the first season of the Adam West Batman series. In season two, now they've moved on to Batman the Animated Series, and it is a pretty robust review of seasons of that show. So there's some great stuff on there. I'll be on there in a few weeks talking about Luke Cage season two, so be on the lookout for that. And if you haven't checked them out, you definitely should. Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, I have actively avoided the process of creating rating systems. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe ever again. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you did uh, offend the religion of our many listeners, apparently. The hot dog vitriol has been... Um, <laughs> the condiments. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, yeah, that rating system came with a side of holy shit. I've, I've witnessed <laughs> religious wars that are calmer than uh, <laughs> yes. the sort of Facebook ire that, that you have defenders. Are, are, I mean, it's not entirely one side. No, definitely. There were yeah. some, there were some acolytes who came out the woodwork yeah. and were like, no, it's cool. I like that. Some of them admitted that they were saying a thing and then ducking out of the conversation to avoid the <laughs> backlash for being a defender. Yeah. But I appreciate um, those of Things you who, Spencer wish he had done. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who stood by my side, but in lieu of creating yet another internet vortex, um, of crushed tomatoes and or mustard uh, and and pickled um, uh, shredded coconut and gym socks. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, sauerkraut. <laughs> yeah. um, Caleb, Caleb has created our rating system this time. Yes. Uh, so uh, Scott Kramer suggested in uh, the, the surveys, uh, what are your thoughts on concept albums? Can they be appreciated as individual songs? Ooh. Or do you need to consider an album in its entirety? Do you have any direct men? Well, um, I'm for them. I, I do think they need to be listened to as a whole rather than individual songs. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that segment had we done a segment on it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. rather than do that, I'm going to make that our rating system. Uh, so these are concept albums, and we'll be using those to rate beers. Uh, so uh, number one, a beer you do not want to drink again, is going to be the Bedlam in Goliath by the Mars Volta. It's when prog rock definitely starts to go downhill. It is two hours of incomprehensible wailing nonsense. It's just with, noise. Yeah, without even track things, to, track numbers to like. <laughs> you, there's just no separation. It's mm-hmm. just um, also the the concept is it's about the observer or something like equally pretentious, which is a Ouija board they carried around on tour that they thought could tell the future. And this is not a joke. It broke up the band. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, a concept album so bad, it causes the band to cease to exist, uh, would be the Bedlam and Goliath, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to drink that beer. Uh, two, I'm going to go with the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. <laughs> I like the album. Crowd. I like the album. I like My Chemical Romance. It's too late for a concept album. We don't exist in the world where they can be made anymore. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give you shit for this. I'm hoping the internet will. But what <laughs> can I tell you what surprises me the most about this is that you like my, you liked My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I, 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 very, I like it, and I like the album. It's just that we're not in a world of... We're in the world of Spotify and sure. iTunes now. That's not how music music's consumed anymore yeah the concept album is a dead thing listen to american idiot if you don't believe me it's less than a one um so uh it's a very good effort but too late historically and i think the concept album is located in time or place i really like it um so uh three uh uh, i'm gonna go 2112 by rush uh simultaneously uh definitionally insane uh, about, you know, crazy far-flung future, over-the-top, uh, defines the ambition of the genre. Also, I mean, it's Rush. Like, it is quintessential concept Peak. album. Mm-hmm. Um, also saved the band, because they were about to lose their record contract until they put that out, mm, which that. is like, 
that's the album you put when things aren't going well. You're like crazy robots have taken over the like that that is a ballsy move and I'm glad it played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a three. That's your minimum concept album. Four for me is gonna be Tommy by the Who. Good call. Should have been higher for a lot of people, but I got an edgy pick on five and I'm sorry. Uh, but Tommy by the Who, uh, you don't fuck with if you don't fuck with Tommy, I don't fuck with you. I'm sorry. It's nope. just it's brilliant front yep. to back. Uh, great concept album. And then five for me, this is probably my dark horse, and a lot of people aren't going to agree with me. I'm going to say Lola versus the Power Man and the Money Go Round, part one, by the Kinks. Um, every song on that is great. Some of those songs don't work at all without the other songs. But then some of those songs are like some of the greatest singles ever made. Like, And also it has a great satirical like deeply biting look at the record industry at the time in which people were creating concept albums. So it's, 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 it's simultaneously a concept album that is also like a critique of concept albums and the music industry. And uh, I, I will listen to that album front to back anytime it comes on. This like, is a Stokesian deep cut. Like yes, this was it's very deep cut. This was a pull from nowhere. I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, I probably would have ranked Tommy as a five. Um, but yeah, I, 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 have decided through my own trials to accept your rating with grace. Thank you. And allow it to stand. I appreciate as that. An architecture of taste in time. Well, I look forward to my internet curb stomping mm-hmm. for saying those words aloud and mm-hmm. expressing an opinion. Yes. Good luck to you. Uh, and I feel like I'm going to need a beer for that. Yep. So let's move on. Should grab some beers. Spencer, what are you drinking? So this is from Elevator Brewing Company. My understanding is this is beer that you received in Ohio. Yes. Uh, which is good. From is, someone. From someone in Ohio. Thank you, someone. <laughs> um, this is categorically the worst label I have ever seen for a beer. <laughs> Maddie, you want to describe that for us? Yeah, jump in there. Yeah, it's, it's a stock photo. That's yep. all that is. Yep. It's just a stock photo. It's been photoshopped. Cheering? It's, it's in theory a stock photo of like Ohio State People also, I'm pretty sure it's been photoshopped poorly, like by like not using the algorithm, but by taking the mouse and doing the cutout like around yeah, yeah. to change the background. Smart lasso. Yeah, it is. Then it is done contrast and brightness a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the and and honestly, the the name doesn't get better. Bleeding Buckeye Red Ale. So probably Bleeding Buckeye Red Ale. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. There's a comma in there. All well, right. one would think one would think that the the yeah. As I, as soon as I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, I realized that that couldn't have made any sense. So I've never had this beer, um, partially because had I seen this beer in a store, I wouldn't have picked it up because of what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, so this has not just been a geography thing. This is an aesthetics thing. Uh, but I'm going to try it now. All right. It's, it's a bottle, by the way, not a can. Because uh, you can't contain that kind of shitty illustration in a can. <laughs> yeah. You need it needs room to spread. <laughs> hey guys. Do not judge a book by its cover <laughs> or a beer by its bottle. Yeah. That's fucking delicious. Like, Let me try that. That's a... Um, for a red ale. For a red You're ale. not crazy about reds. It's hyper fucking drinkable. Um, it is malty it, to the appropriate amount. Uh, it's light. Like, it's very drinkable on the front end. There's not too much maltiness it's on the It's almost like a stout. Yes. There's, yeah. there's a little bit of stout richness to it. It's a heavy red ale. Um, I think that's probably a a Tommy for me. I think that's probably yeah. a four. Well, that's really nice. Yeah, but I think that 
I think that on draft that would probably be a Is it a pinball a wizard? Is it that scene where the lady gets covered in beans? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Right. No, that's a five. The beans lady is definitely a five. Oh, this yeah. is a great one with like a meal, like dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is very good. With, with food and on draft, I think would be yeah. exceptional. So um, let's talk about your marketing elevator, <laughs> uh, but you're killing the beer game. You need an elevator pitch, elevator. Hey. Uh, no, literally the story is a father and a son who worked in a, they started a brewery in a grain elevator where apparently one of them worked because there's a note about it and then it says thanks and cheers dick elevator operator okay and it should be a father and a son and a freelance graphic <laughs> designer that we just hired and a getty images to account <laughs> yeah uh, to fix everything we've done yeah uh but yes hey we're into our first segment which is as always dissecting our fun we talking about games a little bit different today typically we talk about a game mechanic or a game we've recently played um but we're we're incorporating uh, a listener suggestion because it just seems so interesting so ethan cordray uh suggests turn a sport into a board game no cheating and using an existing sports theme board game must be a real life sport that was important and must be a board game that you would enjoy playing extra points for translating the sports rules into game mechanics as ridiculously as possible i can do this a game design challenge yeah so we're back to this yeah yeah and i if i remember correctly uh snakes on a plane was (laughs) overwhelmingly not favored yeah you do remember that cut scene very accurate or cut something a a snapshot of um that, how that went cool great i don't like you so i'm gonna let you go first okay. um as an attempt to hopefully set me up for a slam dunk so it's gonna it, be an it's a basketball thing <laughs> that i did i did right. a basketball thing yeah, yeah that's right okay you're maddie's trying. excited for that one right after, very uh, into the basketball <laughs> we yeah. flew her in for mm-hmm. her basketball commentary welcome <laughs> hot takes. uh all right bear with me mm-hmm. curling mm-hmm but it's a sports management game. So at Origins, I recently got a game called Seal Team Flicks, which taught me all of the joys of a dexterity game if you just fucking load it down with other mechanics besides flicking things, um, which I didn't know was possible. But like, you can flick different size things, or you can flick them a different number of times, or you can bank them. And so it's like shuffleboard meets chess in a lot of ways. And I'm pretty excited about playing it, but... A curling game would be perfect for that kind of thing. So it is essentially a dexterity game. You're flicking. You're trying to get close to the score. It's curling, obviously. Right. But I get it. What size discs do you want to flick? Do you want to have a bank shot be available? Oh. Do you want to have a broom on there to bank it off? Do you want to have a you know? Do you want to have multiple flicks to get it in there or Introduce not? Do some obstacles. How do you get these sort of power ups mm. for your curling game? Oh. You get it through an intricate and ridiculous sports management sim uh so like maybe if you maybe if you snag the molson's endorsement you can get (laughs) chet perona the Iceman of effington and he has a disc this big and like you're playing cards and you're doing deals you're negotiating there's trades it's an intricate it's a curling management sim that ultimately boils down to what are you going to flick when the big curling Grand Slam, the the bowl, go with it. The curling bowl. Honestly, you've leaned into it so hard. Just keep going, man. So basically, uh, it's it's curling, right? In the rule set of the actual dexterity game, what you're actually changing in the rules is what you flick and win, right? To represent this curling mechanic, right. and the way you're changing that power up is the most ridiculous basketball esque like sports management game ever devised. Love it. Uh, I, I added. 
condition, yeah. turn it into a legacy game. You can draft and develop your teams over seasons. Oh, God, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So like Chet Parada, the Iceman of Effington, With the big is, is getting old. Yeah. He's, he's, he's running out. That's right. Maybe you put him up into management. That's Maybe right. he becomes like a star manager. That's right. And now he's and a great GM and can attract younger yes, talent like yeah. the Magic Johnson. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no, we got a winner great. here. Okay. 2019. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of ducks partying. Okay. So anyways. Um, uh, okay. So mine's a little more on the nose in terms of theme. And I don't know if you've heard, but it's about basketball. So but is it as ridiculous? No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> I tried to redo basketball as a deck builder. All right. Mm. So basketball is a deck builder. Here you go. All right. You've got to build drafting from a shared card pool, I think, kind of like Dominion, maybe. You've got to build a starting five and a bench. Okay. Some cards are going to rep- represent players or positions. So you could have specifically named players if you wanted, you know, rights, et cetera. Or you could have uh, positions like center, point guard, shooting forward, all that stuff, shooting guard. Um, some cards will represent player specific modifiers, and some cards will represent team specific modifiers. So you're building a hand. That allows you to play cards for players or roles and allows you to play cards to benefit or interact with those players or roles. You with me? Okay. So how does scoring work? All right. So basketball typically um, is about moving the ball up and down the court, right? You score on this end and then you play defense on that end. So players will take turns on their end of the floor, which is their scoring and alternating who gets to play offense cards and who gets to play defense cards from turn to turn. So I'll get an offensive turn. You'll get to play defense. You'll get an offensive turn. I'll get to play defense. And we keep track of those to determine how long the game has gone through four quarters at the end of those four quarters. So you're building both offensive and defensive hands. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. So check this on offense players play cards indicating how they would like to score so do you want to take a mid mid range jump shot for two do you want to try a three-pointer from beyond the arch do you want to dunk the basketball okay lots of different scoring card options um then you can also play like player or team specific cards at that point so let's say for example you play functionally an enchantment on your team right a team-wide effect that says like your team is plus one to three pointers or whatever or your team is particularly good in the low post spinning towels so it's hard to do a free throw right that's exactly right yeah yeah yeah, totally a debuff or or you can add a buff to a specific player so your um guard your point guard is also an excellent three-point shooter for some reason you know what i mean so he has extra added opportunities to shoot threes so you play your cards to determine how you james gives a bonus to everyone on the team but then he's gone the next turn. That's exactly. You can only use yeah, him. He instantly once. goes in the discard. Right. Yeah. Um, the defense. Then players can play cards indicating. Now this is important. Their willingness and or their method of playing defense. Right. So maybe you go for like a dunk. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really love my hand right now, but what I do have, I don't want to get rid of. I'm going to let you take those two points because my goal is to be able to get back down the court quickly and play my offense cards before you have time to reset. Mm. Okay, so maybe I don't want to play defense. So I'm getting strategic on defense. Any defense-specific cards that I have that apply to a player or a team, I can play during this phase. So also, this player is particularly good at guarding against three-point shooters, or this team is particularly good at playing inside basketball, which means that once you get like down into the post area, it's really hard to move the ball around and score on them, okay? Also, during the defense action, players can try to steal the ball and flip the court. So if you steal you get an uninterrupted scoring opportunity just using the cards available to you because you've taken the ball and you've transitioned down faster than I could get back and play defense. All right? Can I sort of attack you? 
Okay. Like, can I be like, weapons charge? Yes. Discard that card. <laughs> okay. Because so, it is the NBA. Right. Here's yeah. the trick. Yeah. Latrell Sprewell. Um, <laughs> okay. So here's the trick. How do, how do you resolve like fouls, right? Which yeah. have not only become a, a way of slowing the game down, but also a strategy for some people. Right? Yeah. Foul the right players and kind of, you know, diminish their, their significance. So to ensure that people aren't always scoring or aren't always playing successful defense. Success on offense and defense will add to a player's foul track, which at certain levels will trigger and reward the other player with an opportunity to score unabated mm. points. So that's why that's another got, LeBron power. That's exactly Your fouls right. count for more. That's exactly that's right. A multiplier. Everybody is always fouling you. Yeah. And so that's why you want to be strategic on when you want to play defense and on offense, because you also don't want to contribute to your foul tracker, which will make it easier for your opponent to play offense or defense against you. Mm-hmm. So then the win condition is we track up and down the court turn through what, what what equates to four quarters. I haven't figured this out because maybe I did this in 10 minutes at my desk this morning. Whatever. <laughs> um, and at the end of the game, the player with the most points wins. Okay. It's is that how basketball works? Uh, mm, sometimes. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. Manny? Uh, is that yeah. how basketball works? So the, the sport in the Winter Olympics where they just like lie down and go down like the ice chute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The luge so, and yeah. or the skeleton. Mm-hmm. So I want that as a dexterity game, but sort of deck builder dexterity game. So you've got a deck of the track. So you shuffle that up. You always start with a straight bit. Yeah. Uh, You get like maybe a curve, and depending on which one, you physically set up this probably really expensive, elaborate, actual track. And I guess you'd put a marble in it and like time it or something like that. No, it'd be like it could be like. Pitch car meets ultimate chicken horse. If you've ever played that video game, where like you build levels, yes, and like if you can get through the level but nobody else can, you get the most points. So oh, you okay. build the yeah. most devious level possible without fucking yourself up. Yeah. So yeah. you just like turn after turn after turn after turn and be like, I hope I can get through that and no one else can. Right. So it's sort of a push your luck mechanic. What I like about that is if you're particularly good at like taking corners or something, right, or or jumps because you just have more dexterity. <laughs> You know, uh, like like then you really I could jumps a lot. That's amazing. <laughs> right. You remember that part in Cool Runnings where they go over the shark tank? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was inspiring. It's a look. It's a crazy ass sport. I don't know why anybody does it. But feel the rhythm, them. feel the ride. Don't get eaten by sharks. Right. That was the classic. But- I think that, that was the first iteration <laughs> at, at the last looks minute. So good over right. that. <laughs> the, the rest of it is actually just dubbed so that they put in kind of the post track about mm. what they were actually saying. Yeah. I hear the shark didn't make it either. <laughs> um, it is very cold for them. <laughs> I think I've built a more technically solid um, game. The game I'm actually interested in building, though, is your game, I have yeah. to be honest. Producer Ross? Um, so the game is obviously uh, the sport of uh, gentlemen and scholars. Uh, arm wrestling. Oh, um, like, where's so, this going? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a party game, so there'd be two players, but the other player, there would be other players there to judge. So, mm. um, so it's a card game, and basically the players, it's it's about who deserves. Arm wrestling is about not who's stronger, but who deserves to win. Uh, you know, so like over the top has taught us. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have three categories of cards. The guy who drinks motor oil on camera. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, um, not as much as the guy. With arm wrestling for so the basically every card child. is a prompt that the player has to then respond to and then the audience judges who is better and then whoever gets and then that counts as a point if you get three points over your opponent then you win so uh, the categories would be one uh, interview questions like you like before the inter- you know before mm-hmm. the match mm-hmm. someone Shit would ask talking. a question and then the, the, the player has to be like you know like what do you do prepare or what is your war cry to intimidate your opponents mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so the player has to do that uh, two 
would be backstory. Like you have to explain why your arm wrestler is wrestling. You know, some element like tell us about you know the orphanage that you're supporting. You know that you will that you will give money to if you win. You know, like arm wrestlers it, and orphanages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or what about your trucking company that's you know uh, in trouble? That mm-hmm. you know that you've mortgaged uh, all that for that. Uh, and then the third, of course, is dares, uh, which involves drinking and push-ups, uh, and basically. <laughs> You know, and so again, it's just for the audience uh, to see who is who really. So you can only play it at conventions with an audience of people you don't know. Yeah, and so two combatants enter the important and sort of dramatically, yeah, verbally arm wrestle (laughs) for buffs from a crowd of disinterested, decadent judges. Well, you could. There will be tournament rules, and tournament rules, of course, are double elimination. Uh, not oh, elimination, yeah, yeah. Double well, yeah. You got to raise the stakes. Yeah. Uh, and the deluxe edition comes with hats that you can then turn around uh, to indicate that you're serious. <laughs> Does about that give those. you like a bonus? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. So that would be my game. Uh, <laughs> that actually sounds like a pretty good game, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, we should just make all of these. Yeah. <laughs> Uh okay well so you know I'd say vote but how would you at this point so <laughs> our work's cut out for us that's right that's right we're, we're gonna, gonna be very busy we'll uh, be our and if we B. voted it would be a double elimination vote so you know um, we'd have then I turned my hat around and I went <laughs> all right. <laughs> Caleb, you have a beer. Uh, I am going to drink Mount Caramels. I'm thinking Caramel, man. Caramel? I don't think that's a real mountain. If it is, I want to go there. Mount Caramel Brewing Company's Hibiscus Blueberry Blonde, which is a lot of things I like. I'm starting to really like hibiscus. It's crazy. I love blueberry. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a blonde. Didn't expect them all together. Yeah, it's a lot. So it's going to be interesting. The We will be good to know that the bottle is much better than the stock photo of the last. Every bottle it's is got literally pictures better. of blueberries. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. uh, brown note. Remember the one that we yeah. drank that oh. had a guy pooping his pants on I it? remember the brown note. In fact, <laughs> we're about to talk about the brown note. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. How do we feel mm. about, about your mad lib of things that you like? I mean, it's got a bunch of things I like in it, but I don't feel like it's doing anything super interesting with any of them. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to say it's a it's a 2112, which is you know a three. Yeah, obviously. I don't really care for in blueberry. our system. I like blueberry obviously. quite a bit, but I can't taste the blonde and I can't taste the hibiscus. It just tastes like blueberry. Oh, well, that's which I'm like, hey, blueberry, but um, it's still wow. that's unfortunate if it gets stranded. failing on uh, promises. Yeah, you get anything in there other than blueberry? No, hibiscus yeah. is kind of a delicate flavor. Right? It's it. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to lean into it. I think one of the things that I always liked it's about easily was overpowered blush was that hibiscus. Yeah, but uh, like I've had the first batch of blush. Yeah, I thought was poison. Yeah. and disgusting. Yeah. and the second batch was like a hard five. Yeah, because you know it depends on what you do. With I the taste hibiscus. a little bit of the blonde. Um, it honestly just tastes like a really light, um, light citrus wheat beer to me. If I'm being totally honest, I get yeah, almost none of the yeah. blueberry except on the back end. Yeah. yeah, but nothing offensive. No, I would mean it's, I would. Yeah. I would drink it's another drink. one. It's, it's, a, it's no. definitely yeah, it's a three. That's right. Um, hey, we're into we make a pair, uh, which is quickly becoming at least one of my favorite things that we talk about yeah. because I like pairing dumb things together. And James Burns has crushed this suggestion. Like, I'm surprised we haven't done this before. Well, I did control F it because I thought we'd done it before. Yeah, because it seems so obvious, but we hadn't. So what beers would you recommend for fantasy races? In particular, elf, orc, dwarf, halfling, and human. 
to name a few. I think we should just go with that list. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to pair a beer that we've consumed uh, with uh, one of these, each of these races. Yeah. You want to start? I think we should go by race, though. Yeah, totally. Everyone do their elf. Yeah. All right. Uh, So I'm going to start, I guess. With elf? Yeah, elf. Do it. Uh, I'm going to go with blush, obviously. Yep. Hibiscus just seems like an elf flavor. No, I'm with you on this. They seem like the kind of folks that would be drinking flowers and shit. Like, I don't know. I mean, at least you're traditional elves. No, I, I... When I when I saw this question, my first thought was, and I scoured our beer document. Again, thanks to Q for putting that together. It's been helpful for me, too, as a reference. And I thought, what floral things are on here that make a lot of sense? I ended up not going in that direction, though, um, because I ran across Perennials Von Pomplemousse while I was looking at the list, and I thought, there's something about that, right? So it's not just, like, of what ingredients might elves be fond of, elves be fond of, but it is also, like, kind of the the austerity of the elf um their their social prowess it seems vaguely too german for me well i'm not so i don't think i think elves are french i'm not i'm not worried elves french no but well but here's what i but i think they have the attitude of the french and so the von (laughs) pomplemousse is a high yeah all right it's kind of a highbrow um workman's it's kind of got that like highbrow say you drink it with your pinky up while you look down on the lower races from your Ewok tree city. That's exactly right. Yeah. I felt like it was very in line with the elf sociocultural aesthetic, is mm. what I'm saying. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I know I would do the Hatachino Nest, uh, that Japanese white ale mm. that oh, I yeah. had, because uh, it comes from a faraway land. It's very expensive. Maybe it's and, brewed by actual owls yeah. for the elves. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's a fucking deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie, you want to jump in here? Oh, I'm not going to be able to do this with okay. no press. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I will say this. It struck me as I heard Ross start talking there that I think that in future versions of this segment in particular, we make a pair and humanities fight. I think that we should only talk as if we are on national public radio. <laughs> so it's just something to consider for future iterations All of right. this and something else. Um, we're, on, we're on to orcs. <laughs> See, it's like fucking perfect. I'm gonna do. I'm leaning into this. I gotta man. work on my Ira Glass voice. Yeah, a little, yeah. Well, that's fine. We got time. Well, you got time. I'm going right now. Um, on to orcs, Caleb. Um, what what beer do you think an orc would drink? Well, I think an orc would drink. Uh, that's a perfect. Specialty beer from uh, only comes out once a year. Yeah. The Dogfish Head, 120 minute. IPA. Yeah. Because it's uh, poison. Yes. Uh, I did drink it with Dylan Whitaker, a yeah. friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a 17% piece of gasoline put in a bottle and then other contained in a cardboard box because they want you to keep from drinking it yeah. as a safety hazard. Yes. We did not follow the proper directions and did actually consume it. And I am still missing parts of my tongue. Um, this seems like a thing that an orc would drink. It, um, I like, I, I like that both of us had the same idea here, which was orcs would drink poison. Um, it, <laughs> they're orcs. Right. And you just found very expensive poison. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, if I remember correctly, the, um, uh, the 120 minute was the first of 17 beers we tried that afternoon. It's the only one I remember. Cause it's the only one whose pain threshold, pierced the drunken fog that overtook my brain later in the night. It was probably one of the two or three drunkest periods of my entire life. I think it destroyed your sink when we poured it out. It was very bad. Um, my, my choice is a little bit different, though. This is very hard to do. Like, I'm very... Yeah, I hate this. Let's stop this. Well, yeah. I feel... Okay, medium. We'll, we'll come out of it naturally. Um, I also thought that an orc might drink poison, and so I scoured our list for what might be the most poisonous thing, and my initial inclination was a Stillwater. 
But most of the Stillwaters are, um, frankly, too um, high class in their approach to being disgusting, like the classic postmodern. I just thought, no orc wants to. Yeah, an orc's not going to drink a distorted farmhouse it's exactly, ale. It's exactly like, right. They're an orc. You know what they would drink, though? What? Upland Brewing's Champagne Velvet, which to this day is one of, if not the most disgusting beer I've had on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and it could be that it was perspective by incongruity. We just had the Three Floyds Zombie Dust, which is one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. And then I drank what tasted like, I don't remember what I called it, I think a rusty penny. Um, <laughs> it, it was a vertiginous plunge into bad, bad God, flavor. you're getting into fucking Lovecraft at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> you had it. Yeah, yeah. No. Have you ever had a liquid taste fuzzy? Because yeah. the Champagne That's Velvet exactly does. right. It tastes Jesus. distinctly of velvet as oh. if you'd actually liquefied and drank it. Uh, um, yeah. For the orc, I was going in a different direction. <laughs> <Love> this. <laughs> so, uh, recently I got to sample a ghost pepper... Uh, Pineapple Cream Ale. Jesus. Um, I don't like any of those things. Pull Yellow River Brewing Company from Washington. Uh, and I think that, undiluted, is something that would appeal to the orc. Something that burns you, and you can feel it burn all the way through your body. Did it really hurt? Uh, it. I mean... It's an intense spiciness yeah. that like doesn't stop for like ten minutes. Yeah. So was I the mean, cream helpful or not helpful? Then? Um, yeah. cream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, hel- a, it helps a little. We have a couple of ghost pepper beers. In yeah. The, oh, do the we? Latest so fall. I think any yeah. ghost pepper beer. We're gonna learn. Like, yeah. We're gonna learn. So, we're gonna learn I think today. that. <laughs> I think. I think that fits the orc the best. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I love your decision. <laughs> um, we're on, and we're on to dwarves. Dwarves. All right, uh, I almost went with the 120 minute IPA for a, a dwarf because it seems like something you would you would drink on a on a bet, um, and that seems to be why dwarves are drinking sort of these tests of manhood. But the 120 minute IPA is literal poison, can't be consumed by humans right. or anything of the you know races of light, according to Tolkien. So uh, I reserve that for the orc. So dwarves are going to drink something also very strong though, uh, but also. Your beer needs to have a good beard game going on. And mm-hmm. no no beer on the label has a better beard game than Old Rasputin, because mm-hmm. Old Rasputin had a good beard. So uh, a Russian Imperial, uh, that'll really get you... That really seems dwarf-like. It yep. seems like it was brewed underground while you were fighting, you know, beasts of the deep to yep. get mithril or whatever. Um, at least that's what I think of, yeah. I... Originally went with MILF here, and then I saw that you'd put uh, the old Rasputin Russian Imperial, or Imperial Russian, and I was like, yeah, I, Caleb's right about this, and I don't want to double up here, so I, I, again, I scoured the list, and here's what I've come up with. So one of the things we forget about is the kind of, like, interesting novelty culture of dwarves, right? You know, the the songs, the the, the lore that kind of transcends they like dwarven beer. families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so I thought Omegong's Three Philosophers feels like the right kind of lore for a community or a lineage of people who, who are um, re- referential to the past, um, but also really enjoy communal gatherings. That seems mm. like a beer brewed by someone like that's 500 years old named Krieg. <laughs> Yeah. And they've built like an enormous marble statue. That's to right. Him that's right. In some, you know, long Huge goblin from the mountain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In your capital city, yeah. right? You go have a Krieg, the master brewer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going uh, similar, obviously high alcohol content. Uh, but I was thinking Mother's Imperial Grind. Uh, oh, yeah. Because a coffee stout gets them buzzed and alert right. so they can keep working. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also, they don't have the sun down there, so... Yeah. 
That's you, true. You probably want you something to keep you And it away. says Imperial in it. That's that. And grind. Grind is a very dwarf. That's pretty dwarf. Do all dwarves have seasonal affective disorder? That's just baked into their personality. Yeah, That's like, is that why they're so grouchy all the yeah. time? But they, don't, right. but they don't even have seasons. I mean, I think you're just talking about depression. I mean, I think well, I, But they don't just, get light. They got, they're lacking vitamin D. Right, is that the all, problem with dwarves? all the time. Seasonal <laughs> affective is like, seasonally, you are affected by the lack of light. That's always lack of light. It's just, yeah. it's just depression, man. All right, all yeah, right. Probably. I have a theory. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're on to halflings. Interesting call here, by the way, on the halfling, including the halfling. Love it. What'd you go with? Uh, Funkworks Raspberry Provincial Cider. Really good choice. Uh, that seems like something that could only get you drunk if you were three feet tall. That's right. And it also seems like wonderfully whimsical enough to drink while you're like having a hundred year birthday party and a wizard's doing Pfizer fireworks. Yep. yep. Uh, I imagine that's what they're drinking the whole time. Uh, I similar decision here. Uh, Boulevard Brewing Company's Telltale Tart. Um, it just has the right kind of like festiveness and theme, and it's a little sassy as I imagine a halfling might be. And also, it, it doesn't feel like there's any alcohol in there. And so I assume that the only people who would benefit from an actual beer like that are people who are half the size of humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I was thinking uh, Prairie Arsenal's Prairie Flare because I mean it's just a great beer, and I think the halflings would fucking love it. Um, I think that's the one halfling drinks Prairie Prairie Flare, yeah. like the one that's gonna like. <laughs> Drop the ring into the mountain or yeah. something. Yeah. That halfling is like the fonz of halflings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He's the one that Tolkien Fro- wrote Frodo's an edgelord drinking <laughs> prairie flare. That's right. That's right. right. Provincial cider. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Samwise is like, hey guys, I got this right, telltale tart. All right, the, other, the other halflings are sh- uh, summer shandy people. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shit halflings drinking shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, we're on to Oktoberfests. Nope, sorry, humans. No, they're, yeah, Oktoberfests. Yeah. Right, yeah. You, you said mine because it's perfect. Yeah, no, I did, actually. I was uh, looking at it, and I was like, oh, yeah, Oktoberfest. Humans are Oktoberfest. The filler of fantasy races, <laughs> the filler of beer. It's not offensive. It's there. There's a billion of them, more than you could ever need. Uh, the cannon fodder of beer is an Oktoberfest. Yeah. And the cannon fodder of a fantasy race is a human. So there you go. Um, I also got a little shitty in mine. Uh, <laughs> for humans, I went with Against the Grain Brewings, the brown note. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more shitty. Yeah, literally. Uh, it's a beer about shit. And it was it was just average. And it spent a lot of time putting a can together, which suggested it wouldn't be average. But at the same time, a can that also clearly referenced shit. And I, in some ways, can't think of a better way of describing humans as integrated with all of these other <laughs> fantasy races than the description of that beer and its attendant can. So that's what I went with. Yeah. Not sorry. That's all right. fair. Uh, more beer. Wait. Hey, he oh, didn't humans, sorry. you monster. I thought I solved humans. Well, I mean, this just proves that humans are terrible, and that's why we only deserve coarse like. So. Oh yeah, oh, God. yeah. <laughs> They're that terrible, though. Yeah, I'm mean... pretty sure you work for the Dark Lord if you drink Curse Light. Like the yeah. orcs or Saramons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got Miller time up there in the tower. <laughs> um, the champagne of beers. <laughs> um, okay, we actually are going to move on to other things now. I promise. Spencer, what are you drinking? So, from Great Lakes Brewing Company is the Elliot Ness Amber Lager. Wait a second. It's Maddie's turn. 
Do you want to do this? This is Manny's rate and review. You do it, uh, man. Fuck it in there. Jump in there, yeah, man. I forgot about it. Come yeah. on. Uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, Elliot Ness Ambalaga mm-hmm. uh, from Great Lakes Brewing Company. Killing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, give it a that's shot. it. And then you all try right, it, and then you tell it, us how it, much you like it or don't like it. We're doing nothing but bottles this episode. It's bottles all day, yeah, all the way down. It's got a nice image of. Me. Is it? Is it enough to break prohibition? Yeah, it's medium. Uh oh. Uh oh. She seems to like Ooh. she's going back for a second. She, she likes it. Complex Man. reviewer. Yeah, it's a lot of depth here. It's good. Okay. I don't know if I'd break prohibition for it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I definitely want more of them. That feels like a four. It's definitely a four. I'm hearing, yeah. That's a Tommy. Yeah, that's a Tommy. All right. That, well, that seems yeah, to make sense. Let me sense. get in there. Um, I don't know that... So, Oh, that is quite good. I don't really care for amber lagers, if I'm being totally yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I don't either. Like, for amber lagers. Right. It's kind of like an APA. The highest an amber lager is going to crawl for me as a four. Sure. And that's it. So... Yeah. <laughs> Have yeah, we oh, had? It's nice and crisp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I like that quite a bit. Have we had an IPA? End also, up this as is a, a really good, good fuck you to Elliot. Um, <laughs> three Floyds. Well, that's a, that's just a pale ale. Oh, it was just a pale? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we've had an IPA. I think I might have one. I I got a six pack of something from Ohio, and it might be my favorite IPA now. Mm. So. Ooh, it's even um, a double IPA. Oh wait, that was the one you oh. brought over. The yeah, yeah, that yeah. Urban Artifact is amazing. Yeah. That's Sour pretty good. I don't I don't know that that's a four for me, but again, that's a function of. I don't really care for much in this category of beer. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good version of whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It's a good version of a bad thing. Anyways, we're into Humanity's Fight, which was your number one vote getter. Uh, I'm going to let Caleb introduce the subtopic and remind him that we could use an NPR voice for this, but we don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to. <laughs> Uh, I mean, why why do we have to limit ourselves to NPR voice? That's true. You're right. We could do like a like a morning zoo crew voice. Like, oh god, for yeah. humanity's fight. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd okay. be, it would fit perfectly. Give it a shot. Hey, Marxist Kevin said, "No, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> um, there, Marxist Kevin says there are a pair of light bulb jokes about how many Freudians it takes to change a light bulb. Just one, but the bulb may, must want to change. And how many Buddhists it takes, none, chains comes to within. I was talking to a fellow who teaches philosophy to prison inmates. Which sounds incredible. Good luck, dude. Yeah. Um, and it set me wondering how much it is possible to change people's thinking and how much you give them the tools to see what happens. So we've already kind of talked about like cognitive dissonance and the difficulty in changing people's mind. Uh, but it was a very interesting uh, take, Marxist Kevin. So I'm going to kind of twist it a little bit. So, since we've already touched on that, um, it brings up another good question. Should philosophy of any stripe be evangelical? Meaning that if you have the one true lens of seeing the world, should you convert other people to it? Or should you, like a non-evangelical religion, just expect people to come to it because it is the capital T truth? Um, sort of brought me to that question because the change question in your in your light bulb yeah. metaphor, Kevin, is, is sort of well, is that change even desirable? Should I be seeking it, right. or will it sort of happen naturally? Let me ask this question before we get going because I want to know what the terms of the discussion are. Are we, for the purposes of this thought experiment, acting as if the the you in the you have the one inalienable truth in the universe? Are we acting as if that is an actual thing which exists and someone has actually found the secret? I mean, we can. Yeah. Uh, but like Marxist Kevin right. was, was bringing up, he also included a little jab at me with a Marxist light bulb joke, which I won't sh- share here, Kevin. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so uh, 
it sort of brought me to the mind is like, well, Marx's writings are very much of the opinion, like, aside from writing it and making people aware of the idea, was that it's inevitable. Like, right, it was not evangelical. It's like, this will naturally happen as a result of economic forces. It's only a matter of time. And then you have the alternative to, like, actual Stalinist Maoists, which is very evangelical. And we saw how badly that doesn't work. In, to the tune of thousands and thousands of dead bodies. So both of those don't seem to work. And I, I'm not sure, like, that's definitely not true of every philosophy. I don't think the Buddhists are going around doing programs. Well, not all the time, not lately, recently. Uh, but um, that is, uh, that is uh, the, the sort of thing I, had, I wondered about. Like, is this idea of, like, well, if it's a good idea, it'll take off on its own because it's a good idea? Or do you have to go out into the streets and sort of proselytize these people mm-hmm. teaching things? Because I see stuff like this all the time. Right. Like, especially the, the thing that gets me the most is nihilism. People telling me that nihilism is important. I'm like, well, why? If you're, why did you? <laughs> right. You're a nihilist. Here we are. Why, if you were a nihilist, you wouldn't think it was important to tell me that. Like, uh, but um, uh, for, for pretty much anything uh, non-religious, should you be sort of advocating this way of seeing the world or should you sort of like be confident in the way of like it's capital t truth people get to it when they're ready for sure two thoughts one is uh even if it's the best idea i think that you have to implement it i think you've got to proselytize a little bit we just live in a world full of of clutter there's idea clutter all the time everywhere in everything and so i think even the great ideas often don't make it to the surface because there are so many bad to middling ideas that it's just a question of numbers. You know what I mean? At some point, you're playing a long game about the amount of information you're going to encounter, and of that information, only a small portion of it will be great or enlightening or meaningful or helpful. And so the most that people or institutions can do to bubble up the meaningful, enlightening stuff is, I think, a good project. But the the second issue there, and probably the more primordial one, is who gets to determine what is enlightening and meaningful? And that's why I asked my parameter-based question. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it possible? Yeah. Is, is the... Um, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of risk around the moment you claim that you've got a monopoly on the capital T truth, you know, where we end up. And that's what's concerning to me. And so for a moment, I think just for playing in the sandbox of this question, let me assume, let me implement the idea that there is a capital T truth, um, that we have found it in a Ready Player One-like quest for enlightenment. If Uh, only to have like a reducto ad absurdum argument. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. Because if I don't just grant that as a premise for a moment for the purposes of forwarding the conversation, I'll get stuck on whether or not we could even get to the point of acknowledging what a capital T truth is, and we don't, none of us want to do that. (laughs) So let's assume for a moment there is some absolute truth in the universe and some one person, nay, we have found it. At that point, then, do I think it is important to proselytize or do I think it's important to sit back and let the world come to you because good ideas should generate their own ideational magnetism? Um, Nope. Go out, put that shit on billboards, tweet about it, put it on Facebook, uh, make videos of it, supercut things together of people saying it in funny and ridiculous ways. Um, I, I am all for the pushing of good ideas and and with the caveat asterisk that I understand that who gets to determine what a good idea is we've solved that in our in our in our, our primary concepting issue uh, I think you got I think you have to if a thing really is that important and that meaningful and can be that important to the world I think that it is incumbent on you the enlightened for lack of a better term the owner of that thing to push that thing and, and make it work um, I don't think those things have life on their own yeah. See, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, 
of many minds about this, both pretty negative, I guess. Uh, have you heard about nihilism? Um, Interesting. Anyway. Uh, well, why do you care about it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh-oh. I care even less than you. Oh, my God. Uh, um, if we're not going to do an NPR thing, we're definitely not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway. so Welcome to the Black Parade. So, at the same time, uh, <laughs> it's a two. All right? I stand by my rating. Um so at the same time, I, I, I believe if we can't find that capital truth, yeah, you would be out there telling everyone you know about it because that's the purpose of it. However, I live in like America in 2018 and like there is nothing I am more aware of at this point than the limits of what education can do. Mm-hmm. Like and so like, are you just wasting your time there? Would, would you be better off living that truth than trying to convince people who are never under any circumstances of proof, evidence or persuasion sure. ever going to change their minds about any goddamn thing sure at all yeah um but at the same time that's sort of like well the truth will out like we'll, we'll you'll get there eventually like i also live in 2018 america right. and we are doing nothing but living out the absolute limits of relativism and postmodernism uh both of us both of us are kind of souring on it with the it becomes weaponized mm-hmm. um and so yeah i'm i'm, I'm of two minds about it because like at the same time, I'd be like, well, if it's a good idea, it'll, you know, the marketplace of ideas. Right. But I also see the marketplace of ideas as being, you know, you know, the overwhelmingly supported by these utterly idiotic concepts. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, I have certainly tried my entire life to convince people otherwise, and my, you know, return on investment might be arguably zero. I think that's, so, I think that's like, the bit, is that there's not a lot of material value here, but, but I think that the crux of what you've said, particularly in your first interpretation of this question, which is the, you know, I've seen the limits of education, which I totally understand, um, and I'm, on, I'm like, way more, like, um, optimistic about this, uh, because I just taught in very different settings than you did, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think that uh, you can really adequately live that truth if the the people around you live the opposite of that truth. And so I think there's some value in proselytizing if op- if only to open up a space where you can live that life a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, again, I'm on, I'm on the bandwagon for, I guess, push and see what happens rather than, like, don't push and know what isn't going to happen, um, which yeah. is, you know. Well, I mean, also, you can, I mean, start proselytizing young. Like, say, if you're a father... Uh, someday you could take your boy out into the city to see a marching band. Um, uh, say, you know, son, when you grow up. Uh, I, I, <laughs> damn it, Ross. Oh my God, I hate you so much. That's <laughs> uh, loathe. <laughs> this, this is how... <laughs> This is how you contributed to this segment. I did. Listen, I, I don't. I don't know what the answer to this question is. I know that Ross is out. <laughs> of not Ross of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. like this. Yeah. This will all be very different when we're when we come back after this segment. I don't know, um, Maddie. You live in a wildly different sociocultural um, uh, community than we do. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Like, yeah. yay, truth, go push it, or like, nah, whatever. People figured out. See, like, I reckon if you you know the uh, one truth, TM, um, like, definitely put it out there, but put it out there not in a way of this is the thing you need to do. Because mm-hmm. if you tell me I need to do something, fuck you, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's how I broke my leg once, but you know that's another story. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, if you. Lead by example, like if you, that is the one truth, live it, embody it, have it as a part of you. Yeah, people around you will notice it. Yeah, um, for sure. 
I've met people in my life that have this kind of thing around them that have done that and inspired me to go, oh, fuck that. That's a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. But they don't rant about it to people like, you need to be like this. So I think it's just embody it and inspire people that way. Yeah, question of me. Yeah, it's not an either or, but a either or plus a how. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think the method question that we haven't really got into is important yet. I, I get very annoyed by proselytizing but I don't know that I'm turned off necessarily by the act of proselytize. Uh, the act of prosel. I think I get turned off by proselytizers. Maybe mm. is the question there. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The people doing it. And so maybe you're right. The like lived embodied version of that is much more persuasive to me than the <laughs> yeah, definitely. The like standing on top of a car screaming it at me. No, I will hate you. If, yeah, if you do that. Totally. Yeah. No, no, that's a good point. So yeah, I'm for it. Get out there. Say your thing. All right. Show your live your thing. Live your thing. I think yeah, is the bit. Definitely. Well, we're gonna need beer to do that. Yeah. So that that's living our thing. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Caleb, what are you drinking? I am going to drink... Is this Maomei? Let's go with... Ma- I, I want to say Mommy. <laughs> M-A-U-M-E-E. Oh, definitely yeah. Mommy. Mommy. <laughs> All right. Mommy Bay Brewing Company's Total Eclipse uh, Breakfast Out. Sort of a clever take. It's got the sort of uh, paper plate you would use... In oh, your in your ghetto to view eclipse. a total eclipse, uh-huh, yeah, um, which is interesting, um, and I'm gonna try it. Interesting. Well, I like what they did there. It's smarter than I don't know clip art. Holy shit! Breakfast nuts are totally a halfling drink. <laughs> oh yeah, one hundred percent. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I'm going in for a second breakfast because you really like it, or because you're unsure. I think that is it. like a slap you across the face breakfast stout. Like really? it's like breakfast, motherfucker. Like it is <laughs> that is really strong stout for a breakfast stout. I like it. Time to um It's a four, isn't it? What's the alcohol? Know. I think this is a Lola. I really That's like a five. It. Breakfast stouts are a little weak for me because I like stouts to go hard in the paint, as we all know. And this is the breakfast stout that's Best like reference. gonna punch you in the throat Let me and say, wake up. Let me get up in that. What's the alcohol in that? Uh, looks it's nine point one. So yeah, yeah, there it is. That's why I like it. We figured it out. It is very tasty though. Oh, that's fucking delicious. Yes, yeah, right, thanks. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. not wrong there. That's a low low. Yeah, and a little smokiness on the back. Oh yeah, yeah, but not too much. Not overpowering. That's real good. That's a breakfast cigarette. Oh wow, yeah, that, that is, is a breakfast ooh. cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that is. That is mm-hmm. Really nice. Um, hey, we're into Ask Mixed Six while producer Ross surveys the shit out of that bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Copper Crane, friend of the show, and has provided us a couple of good beers and great topics over the last year and a half, asks, can you talk about what you think the ethics of ghosting are? Mm. I, I, Should we define ghosting? Yes. It's, yes. it's probably not in the Jump full in there. nomenclature. Jump in there, yeah. So ghosting is uh, sort of the end of a relationship that involves no actual said defined end or closure it's just ceasing to return texts or calls flaking out of events sort of not being there and are sort of using using the atomized culture of our electronic digital world to sort of cease to exist for Mm -hmm. that person Mm -hmm. in a variety of things i don't even think ghosting is like blocking or like anything like i think even that is too much for ghosting it is just ceasing to keep contact with someone yeah well, it's like also not returning calls and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, like yeah. Text right. messages. Well, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So that's like it, actively ignoring the person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. This is an interesting question to me because the whole the ethics of ghosting, like the act in and of itself, seems to be like a on face denial of the ethics of maintaining a relationship. And so, are there ethical situ are there situations in which it is ethical to ghost? Like, is the other person being unbearable? Uh, I think the, I think certainly. Yeah. Like so, any cases of abuse. Yeah. Any case oh, of sort yeah. of manipulativeness, no. like I you don't owe that person things. talking to them. You right. just you just need to cease to be for that person. I guess. Sure. However, ghosting, and I think it's probably predominant form. Yeah. Has no such ethical like justification right. of that. I think it's just like a person has a flaw in their personality, and you don't feel they are worth mentioning it and giving them a chance to address it. Uh, you don't feel like uh, you owe them anything in any way, shape, or form ethically. I think that's the more common form. Yeah. Um, I also think, but the thing about the ethics of ghosting is that here's what it gives for me: ghosting isn't intentional. Ghosting can be perceived, or ghosting can be intentional. And I think the fact that those can be confused yeah. in itself has ethical weight. I totally. Does agree. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Like when you cease hanging out because work gets really bad, I understand that, and most people do. Yeah. yeah. But like, if that person's also been ghosted by some passive aggressive asshole who like had like a shitty reason for not wanting to be friends with you, they don't like the way you chew and they don't want to bring it up because I know it makes them sound like a dick person. Yeah. And rather than advertise that they're a dick person, they just choose to ignore gaslight the fuck out of you. Yeah. Like the fact that that happens to that person and then that their other friend just happens to get busy of work now gives that person an additional level of neuroses mm-hmm. because at no point will the I just got really busy with work thing ever be an adequate thing and they're just going to be like crazy ex-girlfriend at some point you know what i mean yeah so like um i think the fact that it can be confused for other things because people do just kind of lose contact naturally without any ethical ramification yeah um i think that's for me that's the first thing that twigged in my mind we were talking about the ethics of ghosts yeah no that's a i think that's a really good observation you're sort of building a neuroses in a person for a future friendship even though you're not going to continue a friendship yeah well and people are not good at filling in the blank i mean i think well good or bad I, i think that people typically fill in the blank in the wrong direction you know what i mean like if you're coming up with a reason for a thing when you don't have a lot of evidence most of the people i know at least and it probably says more about me and you know my my group of friends they're gonna come up with a negative reason you know what i mean like well something's wrong um or or i've done something wrong and so i think um you know the ethic the 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 ethical decision there is just like be honest but i also stand the difficulty of that too um and so i'm not justifying it but i'm saying i guess on the other end of this equation i was trying to think about it when i initially read the question from the perspective of the ghoster like if you're going to ghost somebody how and why do you do it ethically? Um, but from your perspective, what are the ramifications of doing it as it becomes an ethical issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more interesting to me. And I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I, I think from the perspective of the one being ghosted, like don't ever fucking do it um, unless there's like a legitimate reason to be ghosted. And then I think we get into that weird like, well, what's the legitimate reason to ghost somebody? And I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, I do know that sometimes like I, for example just like laps on stuff. So like sometimes I get overwhelmed with thing a like work. So for like a day or two, I won't respond to like Facebook messages, but then I'll go for a few days and I'll respond to Facebook messages. Like it's my fucking job. And so I think like short term ghosting, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know no. if ghosted See, suggests. And, and so that defines like, is it a, just a lapse and a losing track of like our social circles was are larger than they were ever meant to be due to social media. Right. Um, is it just a matter of like, cause that's the other thing. Like, I think the ethics def- change definitively when you're like, I'm going to ghost this guy and ignore them. 
versus yeah. I just lost track and didn't know what I was doing. Right. Um, which I think there's still an ethical ramification is like, you're not important enough to be considered in my life. But I feel like it's less severe than just like, I am actively going to block and delete yeah. you from my life. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I think the intention also matters, which it always does in ethics. But right. yeah. But, but then how do you measure that? I don't know. Are you a ghoster, Maddie? Have you, uh, do you ghost people's? Have you been ghosted? That's oh, God, I have a been heavy. ghosted. That, uh, yeah. So, I think we all have. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I was talking to a guy that I met at a festival once. He lived in America. I lived here. We started a thing. Mm-hmm. We were going to, like, he was going to travel to Australia. Like, we were dating, but not. Yeah. And then he just stopped talking to me. I mean, I think yeah, meeting, meeting yeah, a guy just, at a festival, by the way, like you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you knew what you were getting into. Oh, like yeah. He was probably a disreputable human from, <laughs> from the get go. I have <laughs> Music is of the devil. <laughs> some people like there are people that like, you know, you go out like you meet, you have a great time. Sure. You're like already mates or like you connect. And then like I've received messages at like. 11 o'clock or midnight that are like so Maddie I just wanted to say that I've got feelings that are like more than fr- and like, I don't want to have to answer this at, <laughs> at 11 o'clock midnight, midnight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. now I've read it so it's right. that dilemma of like because immediately not just saying oh my god me too right they know their answer yeah yeah they know where they are but I don't want to have to let them down in that way because like I, I'm not a dick right like lol no right uh, right but <laughs> So do you respond or do you like put it off and then maybe putting it off becomes kind of like a permanent putting it off? Like, uh, like sometimes there's a 15 you minute like, oh, why have you done this to me? Because uh-huh. now I have to respond. Like right. I was getting ready for bed and now because I don't want to be that person that right. just leaves that message on red, yeah. I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that brings up an interesting point for me. I think ghosting is essentially technological. Yes. And so it's sort of the ethics change with the technology. So I'm thinking about your situation. Like, ghosting was far more of like a gaslighting mind fuck even just 10 years ago. But read receipts? Oh, like, no. oh, Facebook is everything. Facebook is delivering the fuck you for you at this point. Yeah. Like, if you've read it, it's clear that you've read it. It says that you read it, and then you never respond. Yeah. You've sent a message, ipso facto, as opposed to, like, I send the email, then you could still do the, oh, didn't see it thing. So, like, it's very much like a technologically defined yeah. ethical system at yeah. the same time. No, it's interesting. Um, I will also say that here's where the toxic masculinity comes in. <laughs> I've been in physical fights with people that I have more fond feelings for at this point. Like, ah, yeah, good right hook. He really got me on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. As opposed to people who've ghosted me, who I'm just like, oh, I'd stab that motherfucker in the street if I saw him. Like, And there is something to that sort of toxic masculinity mindset of Chuck Palahniuk in that I know I shouldn't succumb to it, but it is very much in my mind. I would much rather be hated by you than ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, that that's very much where I live mm-hmm. in, in that sort of space. I know that's not something I should act on, but at the same time, that is something that if you're ghosting someone, you should recognize. Like, if the idea is to pa- leave passive aggressively and like leave yourself with a minimum level of hatred, if that person recovers from you, you know, gaslighting them and making them think that you were a fucking ghost or a figment of their imagination, they're gonna loathe you more than a person that had like a screaming, drag out, knockdown fight with sure. them. Sure. Because yeah. like that is a bigger slap in the face than, like, a solid fuck you, we're never talking again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, so that's another thing to consider. Like, so at, at the ethics of ghosting, like, there's also the intention of ghosting. It's the intention not to look like the bad guy, because, right. like, 
that's probably going to backfire yeah. in a matter of time. Hundred percent. Yep. Yep. You're going to be the worst guy instead of the bad guy. Well, there's there's also the intensity of the relationship too. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, the cat, like, I mean, I think we've all ghosted people who were casual acquaintances. You know, like you met them, they were a friend of a friend. You met them at face on at a place, and then you friended them on Facebook. Like, oh, let's get together, and then you never do. You know, let's yeah. hang. What out. What was that tweet? Yeah, Being yeah. an adult is constantly saying we should hang out, hang out more often than never then, doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I think there's 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 acceptable levels of ghosting. Uh, for certain, but like once you've invested a certain amount into a relationship or friendship or whatever, then like you kind of need some sort of closure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna ghost this segment and no, there's closure. You're you're giving closure right now. I was gonna stop right there, Ross. Oh, wow. you ruined the whole bit. <laughs> yeah, this Ross is just the black is, parade. Ross is the read-only receipt of human beings. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's that closure, anyways. <laughs> Spencer, what are you drinking? I wish we could include images in in this this auditory medium. I mean, we can. We just are not going to. We're not to. going to. Yeah. So this like. is from the Thirsty Dog Brewing Company. This is the old leg humper. Robust porter. I shit you not, people. It is the picture of a, like a black lab um, sitting in front of a bunch of uh, women's legs, um, just looking at them. I think the the insinuation here is that the dog would want to be humping those legs. In fact, the the caption on the bottom of the bottle is "So many legs, so little time." Wow, oh. we've had some <laughs> awful sexist craft beers because you know craft beers, but but this one's making a play. It is it, it is actually both a gold medal winner in the World Beer Cup of two thousand two and a gold medal winner for most sexist thing we've probably consumed. <laughs> On this podcast. Yes. So, anyways, I've never had this, obviously, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. He is drinking it. The bottle itself still offends me. <laughs> I'm learning to dislike Spencer more by his proximity to it. He's put it down. Things have gotten better. God, that's disappointing because it's really fucking good. Damn it! <laughs> like, that. Well, I might, mean, maintain your integrity. Get on there. That might be the best porter I've ever had. What? 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 Like, I don't really care for a lot of the smokiness of porters. I typically think many of them taste like ashtrays. That is appropriately light. That's a very light porter. Yeah. Um, the 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 smokiness on the back end is not offensive in any way. I don't, I don't care for it as much as you do. Yeah, that's fine. The I mean, back end tastes a little like green beans to me. I don't know why. Man, did I not get green beans. I got green beans <laughs> off of it. It's really nice. What fucking... What fucking porters and or green beans? Me, are you it consuming? might not be doing well with the mommy bay. Well, yeah, uh, total eclipse. But it's a really drinkable porter. It's a good porter. No, uh, now you've said green beans. I can taste that. Yeah, it's yeah. green beans. It's green what beans on the happening? back. I think you're all. What's happening? It's got some green beans in there, man. <laughs> Do you not like it's, green beans? I love green beans. It's really oh, okay. nice though. Like, yeah. I don't get green beans. It's like, not I'm, beneath a three for me by any means. No, it's probably a four for me. It's probably a four for you. I don't care for porters is the thing. As, mm-hmm. as a category of beer, meh. But that is a really... But to be clear, we've never graded cans or bottles. We've That's just been commentary. Yeah. It's yeah. always been based on the taste. Yeah. Uh, so we've never considered it. Aesthetically, it's a it's a one. Hard uh, one. Visual. Might be a zero. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Here we are. Um, hey, we're into Armchair Director, which was your number two vote getter. Um, and uh, yeah, Caleb, jump in there. What are we talking about? 
So I just wanted to talk about this because I feel like I'm feeling it a lot lately. Ross has brought it up too. Blockbuster fatigue. Um, how do we resist it and or should we resist it? Because there's a number of movies I should have seen if only to talk about them on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Should have seen Solo. Haven't. Yeah. Should have seen Upgrade. Haven't. Mm-hmm. Should have seen lots of movies really want to see Upgrade. that have big explosive action pieces. And I'm just... Meh. What about the new Jurassic Park? Oh dear God, no! That was never even. <laughs> that was never even in the cars. See, okay, that's the thing for me. The, the, to parse this as quickly as possible, because I am of the opinion that we shouldn't try to resist it. It is what it is. I think we understand movie cycles. I think the question becomes: What do you actually want to see and not want to see? And I think at the end of the day, that's the core question. So, like, I was probably never going to go see that Jurassic World thing, anyways. No, that wasn't on the list. But I would see under normal circumstances Solo. I definitely want oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, yeah, I wanted to see that. Don't care at all. I want to see. I want to see Upgrade. I do not want to see them enough to go to the theater. Well, Upgrade right. is not a blockbuster by any means. It's a small sci-fi. I, I know, but it's still. It, but, but it's still been, like it's I don't. Action. I don't want yeah. that much action. Like right. I, I want. Like I really want to go see Hereditary. Sarah has nothing to do with horror movies, so we're trapped. She really wants. She really wants to go see "Can I Be Your Neighbor?" The Mister Rogers document, uh, and I don't want to cry in front of people, so I'm not going to go see that. Um, and so we're sort of trapped in like the things that we would actually go to the theater to see. But there are normal things we can normally agree on. But we're like, we haven't seen Solo yet, and we're like, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> and then that's as far as the discussion gets. You so know, like, I realized one issue I had with Solo that I wasn't really excited by is because it's a fucking origin story movie mm-hmm. and I just like if the, if a movie is an origin story of like some superhero or some sci-fi of any hero it's like a negative 10% for me just really? off the bat huh. like I just fucking like there are good ones I like them but I just as a genre I do not like origin stories interesting I, I just just show me the hero doing his thing like I like Spider-Man Homecoming like that that's great question <laughs> it, yeah. if it's an origin story that comes out after an established film franchise does is that worse for you or it's if it's way worse if it's the first iteration film iteration of that hero and it's an origin story established if it's if it's all new right. yeah if it's if established a movie and then you do an origin story that's worse right okay because you I already get the sense of the character I don't right. need but an origin how story gets his little as the establishing as the establishment of the franchise still bothers you I mean like I mean I understand why they have to do that but like no it's kind of like uh. i guess a film that answers the question why han solo is cool was never really needed sure like yeah i mean how did he get his name we get it like yeah yeah and for what it's worth like i didn't really he pulls off a vest right you have to be cool to do that yeah Yeah. i I thought solo was fine so i'm maybe on the wrong side of my movie watching i mean i also saw the incredibles 2 which was fucking great and i i liked it but it was still pretty I fucking love Meh, it. compared to me for the Incredibles one. I go to more. I actively go to the theater more now than I've ever actively gone well, to the theater Alamo, in my life because like, the yeah, Alamo draft. They house. bring you there into a palaquin and then they yeah. serve you grapes. It with, broke. It broke movie theaters. Yeah, you have to go to as many movies at the Alamo while you're here as possible. I fucking love watching Ninja Terminator there, and that's that's like a zero budget 1980s ninja right, movie. Right, that's what <laughs> they and do. Like, that's a, that's better than watching a great movie at a shitty theater the, or, or or any theater not an Alamo at this point. I mean, I'm trying not to be too much of a snob about this so for me it's like you're not it's not going no i know i i have like i have like rediscovered the act of going to the theater and so for me like 
everything's a blockbuster right now if it looks even minimally interesting and i'm like yeah we absolutely have to i mean i've probably seen 10 movies in the last six months i probably hadn't seen 10 films in theaters in the last 20 years certainly not since i worked at a theater in high school um uh so i don't know i mean i don't think that we need to resist blockbuster fatigue i mean I'm interested in the conversation about what it does to the actual production of films. Um, you know, the way it forces indie films to, to act in a certain way and the way it forces, you know, kind of big budget superhero longitudinal storytelling that is not interesting over a time. I mean, I'm interested in some of those criticisms and I think that there's some validity to them. I'm not sure that in the long run, what Marvel has done to the film industry through the MCU is all that good, maybe. I mean, I think we'll look back on this in 30 years and be like, didn't they kind of break like the summer or film release cycles or how intricate woven stories are told? It's going to be cowboy movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, There's going to be a here right. period where like the only movies that are notable are either really good cowboy movies yeah. or the few movies that succeeded by not being cowboy That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, actually, it's it's going to be like the 30s to 50s Hollywood. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really yeah, good Yeah, cowboy read. movies, I mean, just like the sheer nut, like 60% of all movies made from that, that year. I think it's what? actually Hyder. Yeah, I think yeah. it was like, uh, and when I was doing the film, like I think between like the 30s and 40s, it was something like, 75 to 80 percent of every movie made was a western, yeah, that feels right, yeah. And like, there were subgenres you had singing cowboy westerns, sure, and you had outright musical westerns, and then you had the grittier stuff, and yeah. but like, yeah, it was just a stupefying number of westerns. And I, I think we're in that phase right now, yeah. I am interested in the conversation, so so I, yeah, I'm interested in the conversation about like what the, the long term tangible effects on the film industry and what it means to encounter media on a big screen. Will will look like because of the the blockbuster whirlwind. Well, I mean, we may be in. atypical. I, th- I don't think blockbuster fatigue has actually happened at, in whole because, like, aside from Solo, most big movies have done very well this year. But I, well, yeah, I think you're right. I, but I'm wondering if the the way the MCU isn't pushed to us, yeah, it, because they treat everything as a blockbuster and because yeah. they release on three and four films a year with three. Yeah, for, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it has totally changed our idea of blockbusters as seasonal, of blockbusters as not genre bound, but instead director bound, for example, yeah. or 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 actor or actress bound. You know what I mean? And it's now canon bound. Well, um, I I think Marvel's kind of unique because one they've established like. Infinity Wars was like a once in a generation thing because they literally spent 18 films building up this one right. thing. Um, and then they've made very intelligent decisions with their other movies, like getting directors like Ryan Coogler to do Blank Panther. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're making all the right decisions and they're also marketing their movies very well in the sense, like, I understand what it is about and, like, it's interesting to me. Like, I mean, compare that to DC where the movies are just, like, shoved out there and, like, as a mess. Yeah, as as a mess. And, like, I don't, there's nothing about that that that, that intrigues me. Um, So I think Marvel's kind of a unique thing. Like, there's nothing comparable in it Star Wars isn't even that because that's not his number, not the sheer number of movies. Yeah. Uh, and like they, yeah, I mean, Star Wars might be hitting the Thor 2 period of the MCU. And mm-hmm. So like they're way behind the curve in that sense. Yeah. Well, here's where I find myself. I go to movies because I'm like, well, that's an important film and I want to be able to talk about it on the podcast and I want to yeah. know what other people are talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't go very often anymore because like I want to see that. Mm hmm. Like and most, of them, I'm like, I bet this wouldn't be offensive, and I would like to know what other people are talking about. Really? That's not a good reason to go. It's not to a good reason. A film. To go. No, I only. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that's where I'm at now. I'm I think only, maybe I've yeah. realized that, and that's yeah. the problem. But 
No, that's not a problem. That's actually what you should be doing, what everyone should be mm-hmm. doing. Like, I saw Hereditary and Upgrade because I really wanted to see those Really movies. want to see Upgrade. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like, Quiet Place I, I, in Annihilation, I did see. So like, I, And I do want to see Upgrade, but, like, I, really I didn't go to, to the theater upgrade. for it. Right. Yeah, yeah like, I that's did. Thing. Yeah, I made yeah. time because yeah. it's like, I fucking love Upgrade. <laughs> the last year, the only movie I've gone to see is The Quiet Place because it intrigued me. It looked yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, I went to The Quiet Place. Yeah, we saw that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that was close to me, and I uh, yeah, that was just bad timing on my part. I definitely get um, while I'm open to seeing movies in theaters again, which is great. Um, there is like a, a condition, a silent condition that exists for me, which is, do I need to see this movie in a theater? Right. So like, Brandy's really wanted to see Oceans Eight, and it's like I'm not opposed to it. That's another one. Yeah, I, right. I love Oceans movies. Right. I mean, they but got for two Ocean's out of three. 12, yeah. yeah, yeah, they got two out of three. But I, I would love to see a ginger soft one. Yeah, the cast looks amazing. But I'm not. What, I the, gone. But what it is like, for me, it's I like need to go. if I'm going to go to the theater, right? Because while I've been, really been enjoying going, it is kind of a costly event, especially if you go to the Alamo because you're then ordering food and all this other stuff. Also, um, people are quiet, which is really important. Just fucking great. Because like I've read people, like I've read a submarine online discussions about Hereditary because Hereditary is the kind of movie that people argue about all the time. Once yeah. I've seen, because yeah. like, what the fuck happened? Is this theory right? Is this theory right? Mm. Blah, blah blah. But like then a lot of people were probably like, oh, people started laughing at this scary part. They started. Mm doing this and shit like that and like you that doesn't happen at the album no exactly. oh yeah the quiet place at like uh like a friday night teenagers getting out of school showing yeah. would be fucking awful it was yeah a movie which relies entirely upon silence, silence yeah. to freak people out yeah i saw so my mom during the quiet place because i went to see it with her uh about 40 something minutes into the movie <laughs> uh she, she turned to me and she went quiet they need to turn off their torches. Turn off your torch. I'm like, I feel like you missed uh-huh. something in this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What you're doing right now is, yeah. I mean, that's like I saw Black Panther um, in a theater with like kids running around and cell phones out. And it was shocking to me after only going to a few films at the Alamo, how much all that other sensory stuff like suddenly ruined the experience. Uh, and so I know I've been a snob about this for a long time. I mean, it's the best kept not secret in the world. Um, but But so I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a, oh, so many movies to see. I'm kind of like, yeah, great, fucking go get it, man. You know what I mean? And if I want to spend the money and I have the time to do it and I want to spend the time to do it, yeah, then I then I have a larger uh, category from which to choose. And that feels like the right thing for yeah. where we are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just spent 26 and a bit hours on planes and I didn't look at the new movie releases once. Uh, I just listened to music I'd already heard sure. before. Sure, yeah. It's it's there. You can use it. Yep. I know? watched Geostorm on a plane without like plugging my headphones in, just with subtitles. Because like for one thing, Geostorm, Geostorm. doesn't just doesn't deserve better. No, no. Uh, so, that's it. Yeah, right. that, that's basically it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's also Ross's review of Geostorm. Here's a question: yeah. Would you have just listened to the Geostorm with your eyes closed? No. Oh, that no. Would've, that would have been great. Right. That would have been no. great. How I mean, dare you, sir? <laughs> Um, Hey, we've got one segment left. It's drunk enough. We're going to get our final beer and we'll be right back. Hey, Maddie, what are you drinking? Uh, I am going to be drinking the Brew Kettle Production Works Kitta. Kitka? Kitka? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, coconut We're chocolate great at milk stout. It's a milk stout. I like that you don't call yourself a brewing company, Brew Kettle. <laughs> we are production works. 
Kitka. That we, was um, the name that um, Catwoman used in the 1960-whatever Adam West Batman movie. She was Miss Kitka. I remember that now. What? Oh. I don't know, man. Some you things, do remember some that. things just stick out. I, I guess, Rain yeah. Man a little bit. That nails coconut chocolate. hey That is really good. That's uh, I would say that's a four, but you guys will probably because you can definitely. No. Caleb you hates you, the idea of coconut. No, the, so. yeah, the rating system <laughs> is Enjoy your, the coconut taste uh-huh. that that is. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just the concept here is probably a That is Yeah, look at that so face. so good. Look at that face. I He's have so saved angry. that beer from oh, both of your like tanning oil. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Hard one. I'm willing to jump in. It's down as a four Q, but it's a hard one for me. I'm interesting a dissenting opinion. I'm like RGB up in this Ooh, bit. Really? Right? Dissenting yeah. opinion. If you like coconut, definitely get Christ. this beer. If you fucking hate yeah. coconut, stay the fuck away. Oh, God. Yep. Um, yep. It's like Caleb yeah, well, found yep. someone yep. dunked in his shoes. There it is. Oh, oh God. It's like the swimming pool water from Six Flags Splash <laughs> World. It's fucking disgusting. It's coconut. What Coconut's I don't great. Here's what I don't like about it. It's that it fools you. So on the front end, it's like, oh, this is kind of nice and sweet. What happened? And Because then it turns into like um, a coconut bomb. And coconut is, as we all agree, objectively disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great and amazing. Yeah. All right, so that's a. That's if I was f- going to edit things, I would probably that, edit your That's version. a four if you like what it promises to do on the bottle. Yep. I don't, uh, if you hate coconut, why did you buy this? That, that, I think that's, that's totally true. Yeah. That's totally fair. Uh, yes, but I didn't buy anything. No. Because that's our ethos <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Hey, we're into Drunk Enough. It's our last topic. We're going to tackle uh, an issue. We'll see how philosophical and or difficult it may be. Today, in particular, we're talking about in the world of the side gig. He said, sitting around a table with people on their side gigs, Yep, is vacation time just forcing yourself to be bored, or should you start something else? Yes. Love it. I have proposed this because I am currently forcing myself to be bored. Right. Um, we're waiting for Party Foul funds to go through yep. before we can finish executing Party Foul. Thank you for yep. the Kickstarter, by the Brent way. and Play coming as soon as we can wrap a few things up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, Doing red market stuff, as always. Um, haven't started teaching things yet, because I don't know what my schedule is yet. Right. Very important. Um, and so my immediate thought was like, well, I have these two RPGs and this other board game I should do, and I immediately started working on it. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, there my body is destroying me. I'm, I'm dying inside from doing all this shit. There you go. I shouldn't do anything. But I have no answer after I shouldn't do anything for what I do next. Yep. So I'm watching a lot of TV I don't like. Yep. I'm paying a lot of video games I don't really particularly care for. Destiny 2 is what he means. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm doing things that are actively boring me. Like, okay. I'm reading a few good books, which I feel like are, is like at least you it's know, enriching. productive and yeah. enriching. Yeah. But most of the time, I'm just like forcing myself to do nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to lose some weight because, you know, God knows... I'm not good at that in general, and my lifestyle is certainly not supportive of that any time but the summer. Uh, I've given up caffeine and Jesus. like and stuff like that. I don't want to know you. And, I, and I've sort of like made up uh, like, a, well, if I get to this weight, I can start doing shit again, right. rather than like spending my every weekend moding right in for like four projects. Yeah. And I don't know what Gen Con's going to do, but I'm spending I'm spending July just like actively not keeping myself engaged. Yeah. I suppose I'm entertained. Yeah. But like, I mean, I went to but a miniatures painting. I went to a miniatures painting, and I just started. I painted a goblin. 
Yeah. I just went over and it we, was, you did a good job. Well, thank you for yeah. that. But like the things I want to do was not like paint a goblin. It was just like, that'll kill some time and it won't be like another obligation I have later on. Yeah. Because like all of my hobbies have been monetized. So I'm like, don't do your hobbies. Right. Well, quit monetizing <laughs> your just, hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Just consume things. Yeah. And don't do that. But just paint a fucking goblin. And I did. I and, did. And you liked it. I did enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Sarah's getting super into painting miniatures, by the I way. I saw one the other day nice. on Instagram that looked fucking great. She's amazing. She's crazy good at it. Sarah is super crafty, though. Yeah. She wouldn't. She probably wouldn't immediately admit it, but like Sarah has got some craft game. Yeah. Um, so this is really timely for me for two reasons. One is, um, so I have, I'm like always kind of like wondering what, weird thing I'm going to get into next. And so the thing that I just got out of that was weird was veganing, which is to say I wasn't a vegan, but I was leasing the vegan lifestyle for a hot minute because I wanted to see what it was like. It seemed like you were sort of like... I don't know what to do. Uh, no. I didn't want to start a jigsaw puzzle, so I'm going to do this. That's like, literally. I was just generally curious what it would be like to be a vegan, and so I so I did it for three weeks. Um, I pr- clearly didn't do it right because I felt awful for three weeks. Um, I don't think I supplemented enough, but but part of part of it is like I just get bored, right? And like I don't think there's any. Um, like, uh, there's definitely a correlation between the Kickstarter ended and then I was like, I think I'm going to try to be a vegan. Uh, and the Kickstarter ended and I was like, I think I might try to start teaching an online class. I need to toil with things. Um, I need to have something going on in the background all of the time. Uh, because I'm not good at being bored, and when I'm bored, I feel like I'm wasting time, or I'm not being useful, or I should be doing something. See, yes. that's exactly where I'm at, right? right. That, but like, I've done it long enough yeah. that I realize that every time I fucking do that, yeah. I end up creating a new responsibility that's for right. myself. That's right. And so now I'm like, I don't need more of that right now. That's like, right. right. So. I guess Let's I'm going to rewatch every season of Community, right. which has been great. <laughs> that's what I've been, which has been fucking great. Death marching through like every season. I got through season four in like two days, and season yeah, four season is fucking, fucking terrible. Fucking, like, uh, just and, gets so weird. And it's like, well, am I just doing the same thing I would do anyway with doing something productive? Like, because right. like I'm not, I'm not half-assing it. I fucking watch Community like yeah. it's a job, right? Like. Uh, that doesn't seem like most people's idea of a vacation. No. Nope. So here's what I've done. My my new thing is uh, if I'm going to make myself do stuff in the free time, because the reality is like I, I know that there's probably a lot of people who are like, you should just be at peace sitting or like not worrying about what you should be doing. And I totally agree with you. I should. <laughs> I also know after 32 years, I don't have whatever that is in me. Yeah. Um, and the more I fight that and the more I sit and I'm just like, just be cool with sitting or like not worrying about what you should be doing. I worry about what I should be doing. And I get really fucking depressed. Yeah. So my new thing is if I find myself, so I've given myself a task-based exercise endeavor that I think will solve this problem for me. So here it is. This is pretty great. Okay. It's called the X Miles. So all of the X Files is on Hulu. So I've set up a viewing station in front of my treadmill, and I'm going to watch season one of the X Files, but I can God. only watch it while I'm on my treadmill. You're like a hamster. Yeah. So I've already done the first episode. So X Miles S1 E1 down. Uh, and this is going to be my thing. Like now that I don't have the Kickstarter to anxiously fret over all seconds of every day. And my immediate follow up to the Kickstarter was, well, maybe I should teach another class. And then I thought, if, if you feel the same way in a month, you can go teach a class. And we're almost a month later. And I don't feel that way. So glad I waited. Um, <laughs> Then, then find another way to use that energy. Um, and so for me, 
you know, back to kind of the core of the issue here is vacation time, just forcing yourself to be bored. I don't, for me, it's not forcing myself to be bored. It's forcing myself to not worry about the monetization aspect of how I'm solving my boredom. And that, that really is the trick. Cause we really have monetized the shit we're interested in. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like the things I do is like writing, I'm going to try and publish it. Game design. I'm going to kickstart that shit. Right. Like I know me, like yeah. I know that's what I'm going to do. Like, um, and so like I could take up a new hobby and I painted a miniature, like God knows what I'm doing over there. <laughs> One miniature is not a hobby, Caleb. I mean, like, uh, but like, yeah, away. that's the thing. But Sarah does this thing where she'll take up one new random hobby, like every summer, like that she doesn't have to work. Like one day she learned to, well, actually over course a week, but now she can solve a Rubik's Cube in under two minutes. Because that was just a summer. She just solves a Rubik's Cube now. That, then she learned cross-stitch. She can cross-stitch you whatever the fuck you want. Now she it's really like Minnie's painting, and it's like, well, she's going to knock it out of the park after her third I, one or something. Say, like, like Her character sheet has won in literally every school yeah, she's ever. Yeah, like, and, I'm, and I'm just like, well, should I do something like that? But I'm at the point where now I'm like, all right, I need to do something that's not super productive, but it is also enriching, so I'll read a book. And now I'm like worried about, like, well, am I reading the right book? Right. If I'm reading like, this book, should I be reading a book for should work? Should I be reading it? In my, yeah, like, yeah. and I'm just like... Ugh, it's just driving me nuts. I'm just like, but I'm just actively committing myself to something. I, and the thing is, the only thing I can do that I haven't done before is actively committing myself to something that is like non-monetizable. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the trick. I'm just trying to lose weight. I'm just trying right. to eat better and jog. God, it's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> the fucking worst. You could come over and do the X-Miles on my treadmill. No, just I'm okay. Run through okay. LAX. It's great. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Uh, and I'm just like trying to or do an things. That are, and, I, and the thing is like, I know this is like a transitory concern because like school's going to start and I'm going to have zero seconds available for literally anything. Mm-hmm. And I may regret not monetizing that spare moment I had in that half of a month where mm-hmm. I'm not doing professional development and preparing for school. Um, but I've just actively been like, yeah, don't do shit. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like healthy or not, like, or if that's like fatigue setting in or. I think if it feels fulfilling or I think it should be vacation, but this feels like the hardest thing I could do for vacation. Cause yeah. like I started designing another RPG, the second party fell Matt, mm-hmm. And I mean like <laughs> the day of Matt, I'm like, all right, yeah. we'll make this new what about this sheet for this other thing. <laughs> yeah. And like I just saw myself doing it. I'm like, no, don't do that. That's a trap. Yeah. But is this a new trap? Like, is that the trap I need to be in? I don't know. Maybe they're all traps. You work like eighteen hour crazy days <laughs> yeah, in production. Like, I work weird hours. Like, uh, so I don't have a nine to five. I work festivals or like I also work corporate. So it is sporadic as fuck. Yeah, You're doing so like, like audio live so like, production. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have a vacation time that's not a thing that exists right. i just take work or i don't like yeah. everything i do is a gig economy like yeah do i want work i need to find it or people call me and go do you want to do the job yeah um, how do you manage like free time slash boredom and are you okay with boredom i hate boredom uh-huh. um but i yeah like so there, there's a reason there's so many supercuts of you guys doing this because mm-hmm. i needed to mm-hmm. do something right. thank you right. and mm-hmm. it yeah. is Much a thing that i enjoy Keep being doing bored. so like yeah, editing stuff like i edited I've a come bunch up with of them um, if you're bored out there listeners just create free content for the mix Six exactly podcast. it's That's the <laughs> a, it's the best solution possible for everyone viral yeah. market for it that, <laughs> that, that, uh, the even before that like i made like doctor who videos and uh, like hannibal oh. lecter videos like stuff like i've made a bunch of stuff like uh, or video 
editing because I just visually engage. Right. So being engaged in like intellectually meaningful work is sort of like a basic human necessity. Yeah. And yeah. when your job doesn't fulfill that or when you don't have an opportunity to do that, then right. like you need to fulfill it through something else. So yeah. like this is important to sleeping and eating. Right. Um, and the problem with our, you know, late stage capitalist society is. is that that can be really fucking hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, pers- that there's a reason why I have a, a lot of fucking hours sunk in payday, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, my job does fulfill that intellectually. And my mini jobs do fulfill that. So, like, my vacation is becoming, like, how can I kill my brain cells? And I went back to Destiny, too. hey And it's working. Yeah, it is. Like, man, <laughs> nothing's going on up there while I'm doing that. I am just a hamster <laughs> on a wheel. But, like, that doesn't feel like what a vacation should be, right? Like... Yeah, probably not. I should be on a beach or something. Well, I don't know. Maybe it should be. I I think the whole question of the hortatory is not is not. I don't think the should or shouldn't. I think that's the problem. I right? mean, like the idea that you should be on a beach. I mean, like like that's the kind of thing. Same thing as like you, that you should have a diamond ring on the person that you love because like that's the that's what De Beers the company. I, I guess that's true. Like but it's same, marketing. Like, but at the same time, like I enjoy creating things probably more than anything else. I think yeah. my fucking record would show that. <laughs> And I'm actively avoiding doing that thing I would enjoy the most because I'm never like, well, it's just going to be more fucking shipping at the end. <laughs> like, I don't want, I don't want more. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. I'm just like making a making a date with the devil there. Like, and I, I, I don't know if that's a healthy. And you, ha- in your mind, you can't not create and not then automatically say this thing's getting kickstarted. Like, there's no middle ground there for you, which is like, I just like, what if I just wrote the rules to a game today and then maybe we played it and maybe we didn't. Kill yeah, like this is a good problem to have in the sense that most people, a lot of people, their solution is to fucking get hooked on opioids. So like, <laughs> like you That's know, true. like you bored, right? yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be bored <laughs> right. ever again. Right. Anybody have any opioids? No, Caleb. No. 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 no, you missed the point there, man. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Well, um, nobody has any, so. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I. Uh, it feels like you're doing it wrong only because you spent 10 minutes now telling me all the ways you think you also could be doing it differently. Yeah. So I feel like you talked yourself into it. Okay, thanks. I don't know, man. <laughs> it feels like what you're describing sounds like a good day, but then you're telling it me... It is like, a good day. Like, well, then, that's the thing. I feel... It, it's also another thing. It's like you feel sort of, like, bad about it. Like, you're not... Because of late stage capitalism, our society like uh, yeah. is built on making people feel I guilty. I enjoyed the time I spent today, but I got nothing of worth yeah. monetary worth fucking out of protestant it. work yeah. ethic yeah coming to stab us in the face yeah. not even the back just the i think it's also the teacher thing like you have the summer off and then everyone thinks you're just like lazing about and now protestant I, work ethic and now i actually protestant am work sort ethic. of lazing about unlike I june in which i in the face with traveled the country right. like fucking willie loman on <laughs> his last legs hawking party foul um driving 12 hour stunts in every direction to promote this game like but now I'm sort of like loafing and intentionally so loaf. sort of like itches loaf like loaf, weird loaf for way. a bit until you can't lo- until you don't want to loaf anymore and then don't loaf yeah. unloaf yourself you can't remember it was like to be productive until you loaf <laughs> ooh. <laughs> ooh ooh so I should achieve the zen of loafing there it is yeah. do as little as possible how, how can you know yeah light if you don't know dark be I have been be taking a, a- <laughs> Copious number of naps. Bingo. Yeah, I'm not sorry about that. Don't be. No. So you need naps. more. If anyone needs more naps, it's you. <laughs> I napped twice today. Wow. Great. Awesome. Fucking nap. Be a radical loafer, man. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, hey, if you've been listening to this, uh, thanks so much for all of your support. If you're a patron, thanks for your monetary actual support. And if you're not a patron, thanks for spending time with us. Thanks for telling your friends and family and loved ones and not loved ones and people you don't like about us unless they're awful. Um, we <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. If fun. you need something to do with your time, fucking. That's right. Make help, more mixed help. sick stuff. Yeah. It's working for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, thanks so much for everything that you do. If you aren't checking us out on Twitter, Twitter check us out at The Mixed Six. I don't know. Um, <laughs> some beer. Uh, find us on Facebook, The Mixed Six. We've got a page and a group. You can also check us out on YouTube where Maddie and David N have done some great videos in their free time uh, of Hello. things that we've said or done or, or, or even these like wonderful illustrations of us that look better than the human versions. Um, hey, don't forget you can send us things. Check out our Facebook page under the About section. You can find the address to our P.O. box where you can send us stuff to play and or try. No homebrews, please. Uh, and you can also check out our great beer list curated by Q at Buck's Belly. Thanks so much for all of your help. Uh, we are super happy that Maddie's in town. We're going to do a couple episodes with Maddie while she's here. Uh, and then we collectively as a group and a bunch of other people who will be there also, will see hopefully a lot of you at Gen Con in a few short weeks in Indianapolis. Um, and we're doing a live show on Friday. We're going to do some meetup stuff here and there. Uh, and we're happy to talk beers and board games and play things and drink things. Um, it should be a great time. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this has been the Mix 6 Podcast. I'm Spencer. Take a nap, everybody. I'm Caleb. We'll talk to you later. Bye.